Good morning, everyone. It is so wonderful to see you, and if you're visiting with us, welcome to New Hope. We're so happy to have you, part of our family this week. Um, there is a welcome card and gift out there if you're a first-time visitor, if you would fill that out for us. We would love to get in contact with you and get to know you better. Um, we just have a couple of announcements today. Um, the Honduras bags are ready to pick up for the children. They're right over here. If you could get those and fill those up. Um, they are due this month, October 30th, so we don't have too long. And there are some toys and gifts sitting out. So if you get a bag, please get some of these gifts to go in there um, to already get you started on your shopping. So what a, what a blessing that is. Um, we still have about six more trunks that we need filled for the trunk or treat, the gospel walk for our festival. Please, after the service, go out to the Welcome Center and look at which trunks are still available. It's got the, the, what you're going to be doing, maybe some tips on how to decorate for that scripture, for that theme. Um, and if you have any questions about it, I know it's different this year. It's the gospel walk through the Bible. Um, just let me know. I would love to help. And we have an exciting day with some um, great events to come, and Pastor Russ is going to speak more about that. It is a good morning indeed, amen? amen. And today is a, is a very special day. We're going to recognize Catherine McCurry for her 53 years of service. Uh, this afternoon there's a, a retirement reception uh, from 2.30 to 4 in the Hope Center, so we hope that you can make that. You've seen it in the bulletin for several weeks. Uh, there's going to be a love offering taken up through this month uh, to, to bless her. Um, the flowers today are in honor of Miss Catherine and, and her service. Uh, 53 years, that's a long time, isn't it? That's a lot. I wanted to share a portion of a letter with you today from uh, the North Carolina Baptist uh, Executive Director, uh, uh, Todd Unzinger, in her, his letter to Catherine. It says, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. We're blessed to count you among those who are on mission together. Congratulations on 53 years of service to New Hope Baptist Church. What a testament of faithfulness to God and his church to the bride of Christ. And on down at the bottom it says, Your ministry is a vital part of our cooperative work. Do not grow weary in doing good. Keep telling your neighbors and the nation about how Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Your North Carolina Baptist staff is here to serve you along the way. We love you and we thank you. And may God bless your time as you celebrate his faithfulness in your life. What a great, uh, what a great letter. We're all go also going to present her a, uh, this little plaque of sorts today. Uh, May 25th, 1969 was the day that she started. How old were you in 1969? Okay, I was still running around as a kid. 53 years of faithful service, 640 months of countless memories, 19,500 days of lifelong friendships. Catherine McCurry, October 14th, 2022. Uh, the 14th will be her last official day, um, but, but she's going to... Uh, Stick around and help us in the transition with the, the, the next person that we bring on and, and try to make that transition as smooth as possible. But that's a, that's a long time, and Catherine's seen a lot, of, a lot of water go under the bridge, preachers come and go, new buildings, renovations, 
hundreds of church member births and, and uh, the passing of too many church members as well. She's probably provided assistance to everyone here today in some way, some form or, or, or fashion. And there's no count to how many she's ministered to that's walked through these doors uh, looking for help, looking for the gospel, uh, looking to get in touch with, with some of you. And she's worked when she's physically hasn't been able to or didn't feel like it, but she was happy to be here when she was. And even though today she's confined to a wheelchair and at home, she continues to serve and continues to uh, provide her work services to the church. So again, today from 2.30 to 4, um, you'll have a chance to show your appreciation to her. If you can't make it, uh, feel free to send her a card, a text, a phone call, and just let her know how much you appreciate um, all that she's done for you, for the New Oak Baptist Church, and for the kingdom of God. But again, we want to say thank you, Catherine, uh, for the well-done jo well job you've done here at New Hope and uh, the great job that you've done for the kingdom of God. And so with that, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we do thank you for the gifts and the abilities that you bless each of us with. And Father, we thank you for the service that Catherine has rendered in your name uh, over the years. And Father, we just ask a special blessing upon her. God, that you would continue to reach down and touch her and minister to her and love on her in a special way. And Father, as we turn our attention to you in this time of worship, God, we pray, God, that our hearts would be open, that our hearts would be receptive to your word, to your teaching today. God, may we be blessed by the music, by prayer, by the word. And God, may our time of worship be a blessing back to you. So, Father, hear our prayer, hear our hearts, God, and move in a way that we see you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Every dark addiction starts to break Your name is power, your name is peace. 
Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. God. For the name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless God for that. We're finishing up a series today on the questions of the faith, and we've looked at assurance of faith, uh, forgiveness of God, uh, our forgiving other people, and today judging others. Um, years ago at a computer expo, uh, Bill Gates was speaking and he was addressing or made a comment about the, the auto industry. And he said, if GM had kept up with technology like the computer techno uh, industry has, we'd all be driving $25 cars, getting 1,000 getting miles to the gallon. Well, that was kind of a shot at, at General Motors. And so General Motors fired back at Gates and he said, yes, but would you want your car to crash twice a day? <laughs> You know, nobody likes to be criticized, do we? Um, for sure. And the Bible says, do not judge or you too will be judged. The truth is we all, we all judge all the time, don't we? Uh, sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's quite subtle. Other times it's more deliberate and sometimes it's, it's obvious. And oftentimes when a pastor or a or a Christian takes a stand against sin, uh, particularly in a, in a public setting, uh, they're accused of judging other people because of what they're, what they're doing. But we see people through our own life lens, the way we've uh, had experiences in life, through our own measuring stick, you might say. Our, we, we, we look at the world through our past, whether it's been good or, or not so good, our church tradition, our, our own beliefs, the, the scriptural beliefs, whether they're, they're right or wrong. Even the mood that we're in at the time uh, that we're making that judgment. We judge people by their, by their appearance. We judge them by their past, especially if it's not so good, right? And we judge them on their politics, on the friends, on their education or the lack of. We judge them on their job. And so we do it without even thinking. When, when somebody first walks up to, 
you know, you, you've heard the first impression with that first impression. You might could say is the first judgment. Okay, what do you first think about that person? Well, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, if you will, turn in your Bibles there, we're going to look at that, uh, where he talks about judging other people. We're going to be primarily in, in Matthew, uh, but we're also going to be flipping over to John in a few minutes as well. But Matthew chapter 7, uh, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and so he's preaching to the, to the folks there on the hillside, and he tells them, he says in, in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through, uh, through 5, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, as I was reading that passage, and we've all heard that probably a number of times, but I began thinking about it, and I had this stick in the office, and I started thinking, you know, if Charles has got a, a, a speck in his eye or a little gnat in his eye or something, I might, you know, this is what it looks like. Let me know if I hit you because I can't see too good. Yeah, it's a long way down there. Okay. You see, and so it's hard for me to, you know, and it's, he's kind of looking double. That's even worse, I guess. <laughs> but, but it's blurry and I can't see it. And all I can see is that stick at the, end of my, at the end of my eyes. And so I can't, and then again, I can't even reach his, his eyes or his face to even begin to, to help him get that, that speck or that gnat or whatever it is in his eye out. And so that's kind of the visual that we see here, okay? Think about that in, in the way that, that we look at other people and judge other people. Oh, oh let, let me get that out of your eye. And what would Charles say? You idiot, you need to take that out of your eye so you can get closer to see, right? This verse, that passage in particular, is probably one of the most quoted and misquoted verses in the Bible, especially by, by non-believers. I find it interesting that people who don't love Jesus quote Jesus to try to shut up those who are trying to live like Jesus. <laughs> they say, see, Jesus says you're not supposed to judge. You have, you have no right to judge me. Well, we do see right off the bat there in, in verse 1. Uh, he does admonish uh, against judging other people. And the word judgment there means to, uh, to, to the idea of passing fault onto somebody else. And then in verse 3, he says, with the same measure you use, it'll be measured against you. And so that word measures is the idea of a measuring rod or, or a, a, a rule of measure. The standard of judgment. When, when, when I was looking at that, talking about the measure, I had the idea of a, 
of a yardstick, you know, and you measure uh, how long something is or a tape measure. And just as you have been measured, uh, measured other people, you'll be measured as well. But we need to be careful about the standard in which we, we judge people and evaluate people. Because God's Word says that we're to evaluate people and discern people based on the Word of God. We can look to, to Jesus as the, as the correct measure. Unfortunately, we tend to, uh, to make ourselves or, or other people the standard of measure and not Jesus. We tend to want to judge others because it makes us feel good. It makes us look good in our own eyes. But we're to evaluate people or to judge people or discern people based on their fruit. Are we producing much fruit? One pastor said, I may not be a judge, but I can be a fruit inspector. <laughs> I can look at the fruit in, in the people's lives. You know, we've got to be willing to stand for what's right. We've got to be willing to stand for, for truth and righteousness, exposing and confronting sin when it's there, even when we're called judgmental. Even when people are looking at it and calling us, oh, you're sure being judgmental about that. But if we're exposing the truth, there's nothing judgmental about that, is there? It's the truth of God's Word. We may see somebody's uh, actions as ungodly, but we have no right to pass judgment on their spiritual condition. That's left to God. We can look at the fruit and the way that they're living, but they're, the, the, the heart and what's in their heart is left to God. We can, know, can never determine the, the, what's going on in a person's heart. That is left up to God. That's okay, and we judge. Are we supposed to judge? In fact, following this passage, Jesus tells us to make judgment about people and their response to the gospel. Going on in verse 6 and following. In other parts of the Bible, we're called to, to call out false prophets, to admonish others in order to, to help them. Jesus and Paul both taught to point out sin and to deal with it as sin. Both pointed out things that, that society might call right, but God says is wrong. God says is a sin. And so we're to make that distinction between the, the two. And I think Jesus was addressing two main issues here in, in this passage. One of them was, was having a, a, a critical spirit. I was uh, on the road to Spartanburg the other day, and, and, and there was a woman in front of me, and she had her her face all up in the rearview mirror. She was putting on her eyeliner and the makeup and, and, and lipstick and all that. And before I knew it, she was over in my lane. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, it just made me so mad. It made me drop my razor. I spilled my coffee. I accidentally hung up on the person I was talking to. Can you believe the way people do? It just... We look at the speck in other people's eye, don't we? 
Notice in verse 3 it says, and following, let's read that again. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Listen to this verse 5 because I think we, we, over, we, we, we gloss over this and don't pay this much attention. But, but listen to what Jesus says. He says, you hypocrite. You're trying to take the speck out of his eye where you got the plank in your eye. He says, you're a hypocrite. But what does he say? He says, first... Take the plank out of your own eye. Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly how to remove the speck. Well, see, I got that plank out of my eye, and I can come over here, and I can get all up in his face, and I can see what's going on, right? But I can't do that until I have the plank gone. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, first, you've got to remove that plank from your eye, so that you can clearly see, so you can clearly discern, so you can have the right basis from which to, to make that discernment and make that decision. He says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, this is a very vivid image of, of contrasting how easily we find fault with other people. While oftentimes we're guilty of the same thing. If you think about this story, there are two men in this example. Both men have an object in their eye, okay? <clears throat> Both have impaired vision, okay? I can't see because of the long trunk in my eye, and he can't see because of the speck or the sawdust in his eye. If you think about it, look at the, the idea here. The speck in, in his eye or the splinter in his eye is a, is a piece of wood. What's in my eye? A piece of wood. A plank in my eye. He says, <clears throat> one is much larger than, than the other. And you know, it's our human nature to be able to, to see the, the impure, impurities in, in other people and yet not see them in ourselves. That splinter and the log are made of the same material. And so this is indicating that we tend to find fault in other people that are doing the same thing that we're doing. And so Jesus says, listen you hypocrite, you've got to clean up your act first. You've got to get your eye cleaned out. Because you're doing the same thing that they are. You see, the problem is we, we all deal with, with sin. And many people today can't see the bigger, the bigger problem in the sin in their own lives because they're always looking for the faults in other people. Do you know those people that, that are always walking around finding fault with other people? Oh, so-and-so didn't do this. Oh, they hadn't done that. Or, you know, they're complaining about this person and that person. We're all guilty of that to some degree, aren't we?
it's a harder thing to come alongside somebody, isn't it? And to help that person with what they're going through, with what they're dealing with, with, the, with what they're involved in. It's a whole lot easier to, to call them out and, and, and bring attention to them as opposed to, to coming alongside of them and, and being a disciple to them and helping them through the process. Granted, we're not to be critical or condemning towards other people. Instead, our heart should be stirred to, to help people um, to find a solution in, in Jesus Christ. In this, in this passage, they found plenty of fault with, with, with other people, but they never took time to evaluate their own heart. They never took time to look in their own mirror to see what was going on in their life. And so as a result, they were always criticizing other people and finding fault with them, and finding and judging other people for what, what was going on. And so the first issue that Jesus was talking about here is, to have that, is not having that critical spirit towards other people. And, and then the, the second thing is an unexamined life, which we just touched on. And so Jesus said it was, it was unacceptable to, to excuse our, our personal sin while all the time holding others accountable for something that they're, that, that they're doing the same as you are. Abbot Moses, <clears throat> a quote from him said, They who are conscious of their own sins have no eyes for the sins of their neighbors. They who are conscious of their own sins have no eyes for the sins of their neighbors. And you know, when we, when we find fault with, with other people, we need to, to make sure that their actions are, are actually wrong by scriptural standards and not just by human standards or by our standards and, and what we're looking, the, the lens of, through which we're looking at them. Yeah, some people, <laughs> some people do things we don't like, don't they? I do things that y'all don't like. Y'all do things I don't like. But is it wrong? Is it, is it scripturally wrong? Is it a sin? And so we need, to, we need to check our hearts and, and look in the mirror and say, is there anything in my life that could be embarrassing to me? And we need to pray about it. <clears throat> we need to have a, a loving and humble heart because what you're about to bring to that person could be very hurtful uh, to them. It could be hard for them to hear. If you're bringing something to them for correction, bring it to them in love and it's something based on the Bible. And while this passage in Matthew chapter 7 tells us we're not to, to, to judge, in verse 5 it tells us to get our life right before we do. Get our life right. Again, it says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly remove the speck from the other. And if you flip over to John chapter 7 verse 24 we're, we're commanded to judge to judge others. And so what's the difference? John chapter 7 verse 24 <clears throat> he says stop, stop judging by appearance by mere appearances but instead judge correctly. Uh, again that kind of goes back to the first impressions when we 
when we judge somebody when we first see them? Or, or, or do we take the time to get to know them to find out what's truly in their heart and to know where they are? He's saying when we judge, to do it the right way. In, in Matthew, he's telling us to, to get our, our hearts right before we bring judgment. And so the first thing we need to do is, is stop judging on appearances. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to, said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so when we see somebody, and we see what's going on in their life, don't assume that what's happening on the surface is all there is to know about the person. Because the second part in that instruction from, from Jesus is to, to make the right judgment. How do we do that? First of all, we've got to slow down <laughs> and not be quick to, to throw judgment at somebody for whatever reason, but to slow down and, and don't rush to judge. And there's a balance of, of understanding Jesus' full teaching about living in the kingdom of God. Because here he says, don't judge. Here he says, to judge. And, and so we've, we've got to look at the context in which each of those settings are and weigh the balance of each. For example, at one point, Jesus tells us to, to let our light shine so that other people will see our good works. And then in chapter 6, He says, and then He warns not to do your righteous acts before men so they see them. So which is it? Or again, we're not to be anxious about what we're to eat or drink Yet it says if a person refuses to work, the church isn't to meet their needs. So we're not to judge in chapter 7, verse 1, yet we're to discern wisely in verse 5. And so we do that by slowing down, first of all. Getting all the evidence, hearing both sides of the story. See if, it's, see if it agrees with Scripture and then render an impartial verdict and and carry out that, that uh, punishment, you might say, or bring into to, to justice. But forgiveness, which we talked about the last couple of weeks, entails a form of judgment, and sometimes that, that discernment may lead to our forgiving of that person or us being forgiven ourselves. But remember that absolute judgment, the judgment of a person's heart, is set aside for God and, and God alone. In Romans chapter 14, verse 10, it says, You then, why do you judge your brothers and sisters, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. God will be the ultimate judge of both the believer and the unbeliever. <clears throat> Folks, every one day, every person will stand before God and will be held accountable for their actions, for their inactions, for the things we did and the things we, we didn't do. Well, let me ask you this morning, when that time comes for us, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Will He see us through the lens of Jesus Christ? Will He see us through the blood of Jesus Christ where He sees our sin no more? Folks, if Jesus is your Savior, He will remove all of your sin on that day of judgment. Praise God. Our sins will be forgiven because He came, because He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect blood sacrifice that we talked about a few weeks ago. He was perfect in every way. He lived the perfect life. He died the perfect death that we should have died. He bled and shed His blood so that our sins could be forgiven. And then God raised Him on the third day, proving that He was God's Son so that we could have the hope of eternal life. Let me ask you this morning, do you have that hope? Do you have that assurance of your eternal life, of your eternal resting place? Remember, Jesus instructs us to to examine our, our, our own hearts and our own life. He tells us to examine our own hearts before we begin being critical of other people. Scripture doesn't tell us not to judge. It tells us to to make sure that what we judge, we have a firm foundation for making the right judgment. And that is a, a good solid foundation in God's Word. A good relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, maybe if, if we put into practice what Jesus was teaching, maybe... Maybe, maybe we would be slower to judge and quicker to give the benefit of the doubt. Be slower to criticize and quicker to forgive. We'd be much more accepting of others because we don't just see the outside. We see the inside too. And throughout this series, there's been a a recurring theme week after week and and it's come about unintentionally in my preparation, but that theme is to examine our hearts. To look into our hearts. From the message of the assurance of our salvation to forgiveness, now today, each week, we've been challenged to examine our hearts for what's going on in there, for the way that we're living our attitudes. This day is no different. Our hymn of invitation is I need thee every hour. And is that our prayer today? That Lord God, I do need you every hour. Because looking at my heart and looking at my life, I know it's not right, I know it's not pure, I know it's not holy, and I need a holy Father, a holy God, a holy Savior to help me live like Jesus Christ. Amen? As we sing this hymn, will you, will you, will that be your prayer? Lord, I need you every hour. And take that moment, take the next few minutes to, to do just that, to examine your heart. And let God speak to you this morning. And may you respond to God. For He is the one calling you this morning. Not me or your neighbor or anyone else. This invitation is from God. 
to you. As we spend time looking inward and not outward. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are a perfect God in every way. Your love is perfect. Your forgiveness is perfect. Your mercy is, is perfect. And God, we, we claim that today. And we thank you, Father, for allowing forgiveness to come our way. And God, as we spend the next few minutes uh, praying through this song, God, we acknowledge that we do need you every moment of the day because you are God and we are not. And we need your help every moment of the day to become more like you and to become the people you want us to be. God, forgive us. Accept us. Receive us. Hear our prayers and hear our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.